And uh, and what I'm hearing is there's this year as well. There's kind of ideologically people want more privacy. They want to see that more is being implemented. The average retail participant is not sophisticated enough to be able to judge these different technologies well. And in some cases, they've almost into crypto in one ecosystem or another and then discovered too late that they want to add privacy somehow to their holdings. And so they're, what they're looking for is, is, uh, is forward privacy right after that. Mm. After they've already gotten invested. They're trying to figure out how do I add this? And that's been my question too. And I, I love that, that what you're hearing is that there's, there's a, a greater commitment to the, the, the idea of privacy. Monero Talk is sponsored by Cake Wallet, a trustless open source wallet that gives you the keys to your crypto. Invoice, donate, and trade your Monero with peace of mind, peace of cake. And by StealthyX, an instant exchange where privacy is a top concern. Go to StealthyX.io to instantly exchange between Monero and 450 plus assets without having to create an account or register and with no limits. Making StealthyX a simple way to purchase Monero with crypto anonymously. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever by typing in MoneroTalk.crypto in your Monero.com or Cake Wallet send address field to send us a tip. This week on Monero Talk. Douglas Tuman interviews Sir Jams, Luke Parker, and Seth Estrada while they are attending the ETH Denver conference. Sir Jams had spent all week onboarding ETH Denver attendees to Monero and linked up with Luke and Seth for a privacy-related chat. They discussed the latest developments in the Monero ecosystem and ultimately what Monero's privacy and efficiency roadmap is, atomic swaps, Sarai decks, full membership proof update, some respected privacy coin projects, and even touch upon the hypothetical concept of private smart contracts on Monero. They also talk about the importance of privacy and censorship resistance in blockchains and analyze the trade-offs with different privacy solutions. Monero Talk starts now. All right, we got Sir Jams and Luke, Luke Parker. What's going on, guys? Yes, we are together. It's been a busy, wild ride out here. Like everybody's got monkey brain. Everybody's busy. We're coordinating. Here we are. Tell, so thanks for having us on there. Tell everybody where you are for those uh, that haven't seen you on Twitter this past week. Although I think I think most people have, but uh, give everybody a rundown of where you're at. Here we are, East Denver, <laughs> Denver, Colorado, dry and high. And uh, you somehow found Luke, which is amazing. How'd you? Yeah. How, did, how did you guys even find each other? Uh, so I actually put out a tweet noting that, hi, I'm here at uh, Eve Denver. If anyone wants to come talk about privacy, Sarai, threshold ECDSA, one of the other things I'm really just a nerd about, please reach out, come and find me. I'd be happy to talk. Who was the first person that reached out to you? Uh, no, I think you were second. <laughs> you were second or third. I'm pretty sure this one person reached out about threshold ECDSA like a few hours before you. All right. <laughs> Sir James is hurt. He's hurt. Yeah, um, because, you know. I can't be, yeah, I can't be held responsible for them being slow. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to work on that yourself. Do some agility. <laughs> it's a lot out here. You know, I've got three phones running. 
and just staying on top of your tech, you know, everything charged so that you can communicate with people and scan all the QR codes and all the telegram. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Luke, Luke doesn't have time for that, right, Luke? No, I have a lot of technology myself. I've been managing. I've been going to events, talking to people. Right. But it's been difficult. It's been difficult. <laughs> I, I just want to. I just want to give a little background here. So actually, Sir Jams a lot, and I tried recording yesterday, but we had a lot of sound issues. Um, and then Sir Jams found this studio today, so we were giving it a record. So Sir Jam, just let you know, I, I may be, I may repeat some of the things we spoke about yesterday. So just, just, so yeah, just be ready for that because I, I want to show people what you've been up to this week. Do you want to quickly uh, give people like a little bit of rundown of what you've been up to? And then, and yeah, then we'll to, absolutely. We'll get to Luke. Let's, let's welcome our good friend here. We got mine. Oh shit! Chef. And now we got mine. Yeah. This is amazing. Hey, hey, yes. Hey, uh, what's I, going I, on, man? This is the first time we're meeting, Luke. It is great to meet you, Luke. Woo! Thanks for saying that into your microphone. I would not have heard it otherwise. I immediately. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, you got it. This guy's a lifesaver. Look at that. He knows how to work the mic. All right. Yeah. I'll start What's up, happy. man? Thank, thanks for jumping on, Seth. Appreciate a it. Pleasure. Doug, absolutely love the work that you're putting into the community and the space. So when he told me that we're going to do something live from this event, I was like, obviously, I got to go support. Couldn't not be here. Uh, well, we are re we're recorded, but uh, we'll get it out there as soon as possible. Uh, point is, there's still a vibe here that, that we're feeling and that I want to be part of in, in recording this. Great levels, a bit warbly. You really have to make sure your mouth stays pointed at the microphone as you speak. Mm, can't be looking it. around too much. You can move yeah. your eyes, but not your lips. That's so tough because I, I see Doug there. <laughs> yeah. I, my eye line is Doug's right there. Our eye line is that Doug is right there. Yeah, maybe you um, move so. the mic a little bit or something. Yeah, there okay, you go. Okay, yeah, so we go rock star. Here we go. It's coming. Oh, over. yeah, there you go. Oh, the mic yeah. goes everywhere. Wah! Yeah. <laughs> All right, listen. I don't want to. Uh, we we will get to to Seth and Luke, but I want I want Sir Jams a lot to give us kind of the rundown of ETH Denver and what you've been up to this week because I've been seeing you all over Twitter. You're doing amazing work out there, talking to people about Monero, and I just want to give you a chance to to talk about these things as I show your Kuno because I know you were you were doing a Kuno with regards to this as well. So go ahead and uh, tell us all about it, Sir Jams. I came to ETH Denver a few years ago, and I had. That's when I was just learning about Monero and becoming interested. And I met a man here and he was super into it. And we talked about it for a few days. And eventually I just asked him straight up. I said, man, I got some cash. Like, can I buy some of this stuff from you? I want to learn about it. So then, yeah, we did a cash OTC P2P deal right there. And, and then I've just been really passionate and learning and learning since then. So I saw Ethan was coming back and my friend was coming to it and was trying to drag me along and just couldn't connect with that. Then I thought, why not come and talk about Monero? And that's when I started the Kuno. I thought, hey, guys, why don't you pitch in and we'll get some swag and some gear to pass out. So I launched the Kuno and it stacked a few XMRs. So we bought some stuff and we headed out. You decided and to be the man. And after several decades of being the man, having mastered being the man, the vortex opens and you realize that you must step into it to be the first man who set you upon this journey. For the man, it's not two men, but one. <laughs> Many men. Wow. So, 16 men. Chills. But I, but I am two men. True, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I knew Seth, I, I, I knew uh, Luke would be stealing the show. I, I, knew, I knew this was going to happen. It's amazing. Um, 
That's why you, that's why you come to East Denver, though, honestly. <laughs> I can't do time-traveling fan fiction about people representing Monero at East Denver. Why did I even come? <laughs> that's a fair question. You could even mint it as an NFT here, and they'd be like, you know what? Steal this guy. Going mobile. Here. There you go. Done. Okay. <laughs> Sir Jebs, give us give us a quick rundown uh, on your experience with this girl uploading, uh, onboarding her to Monero. How'd that go? Well, she's married. Oh, I'm just leaving that. Oh no! (laughs) Yeah, she is. Yeah, so this girl is. You gave her a Monero. You gave her a Monero standard. That, that's Gave fantastic. Gave it to her to hold and read through a little bit. Okay. okay we actually okay. got some shots of her kind of like popping through it. She runs a DAO <laughs> that sells NFTs that work with the manufacturer to create dog and cat houses and feed them. And there's hundreds of these or more around different places in China. So I thought that was really cool. She'd mentioned that in some way they're not able to help dogs because the government doesn't allow it. So I mentioned... Monero could be a great solution for that, for people that still want to do what they want to do to help, but not have any repercussions. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Wait, I showed her Monero Chan too. She loved her. She loved it. She says, she's so cool. She's, I love this girl. And I said, it's you. <laughs> Don't you see? And so, yeah. Was she Wait, getting the whole no. privacy coin thing? Oh, guys, I'm hearing, I'm hearing an echo over there now. I don't know what happened. Oh, dear. Is it terrible? Um, I think it's okay. Check one, two. The audio on our end, at least to me, seems fine. I can hear the event in the background, which if that is what's phasing in is going to be unavoidable, but I'm not hearing our voices be echoed at all. Yeah, there's a tiny delay here. There's some latency in this little system. They used the same one last year because this was a sponsor of the show. And so there's a tiny, there's a tiny bit of latency for us where at least our first spoken word, we're going to get our monitor, you know, tiny you know little little bit of a delay there i don't know how you would you would hear that though unless you know i was just hearing i was just hearing an echo but it's all good it's all good now all Um, right we'll pick it back up um today because i've been counting i've talked to 100 people now like directly about monero every day have you given monero out to all these people are you like getting them to download uh not 100 people no no not that many some people are just in passing or they're working behind their booth but most people are very interested and this is how I find out I'm not in their top 100 people they want to talk to today. 101. You're next. Let's talk. And so what kind of response are you getting generally? Like you're telling people I'm an arrow, but is, is, are they just treating it like it's like any other crypto? Or are they, are they understanding the privacy coin nature of it? Are they, are they picking up on that? Are they interested in that? Are they like, whatever, I don't care about privacy. What's kind of the feedback there? 100% interested. And over half already has used Monero or knows about it or has a well-developed opinion about it. So I have a few more of those recorded that I'm gonna up that I'm gonna upload to Twitter later. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. So let's 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 jump over to Luke. Luke, um, are people talking about ETH to Monero uh, atomic swaps? Are they talking about uh, Sarai? What's going on in, in those regards? Uh, no to the first one, and then I am doing my best to talk about Sarai. Um, I actually went to Consensus last year, Coindesk Consensus. And while there, I met up with a few friends who, of course, know about Sarai. And I was talking with them a bit loudly. 
and, and someone was walking along and they're like, oh, are you guys talking about Sarai? I love that project. And I'm like, sorry, what do you love about it? Like, I'm sorry, I just think you misheard me and you're confusing the project. And they're like, no, <laughs> you do threshold signatures, right? I'm like, hell yeah, that's my project. So that was an experience last year. And this year, the same guy is here. So there's at least one other person talking about Sarai here, um, which is great. But yeah, it is definitely my effort to get the word out because I feel like we have a lot of awareness in the Monero community. Uh, Seth is very involved with the Bitcoin community, and I feel like I've managed to show them on the concept of Sarai. So I feel like when the time comes, we can have decent access to the Bitcoin community. But the Ethereum community is something I don't personally have too much ground in and i'm definitely trying to reach out about i've also just been discussing uh let's go with the term uh if a transaction or protocol is unstoppable uh with a few different people not in any such explicit terminology but one of the things i ask is like oh so you're a u.s company and you're operating uh, a sequencer a sequencer in these layer two networks they're building on ethereum uh, is a single server that decides the order of transactions, which does allow it to censor, but there's bounds on it, so it's still secure. To get a bit in depth, um, if the sequencer censors you, you can publish your transaction via Ethereum itself. It's just much more expensive and force them to include your transaction. So it still has the security of Ethereum, a decentralized network, but there is this centralized component, which at least in the short term, can perform censorship. Although a couple of the projects here are trying to decentralize that. So one of the questions I went over to the BASE booth about, BASE is a network by Coinbase and it's an Ethereum layer two. I went over to their booth and I'm like, how do you feel about the dichotomy here? Coinbase is a US extremely regulated company with a lot of work in advocacy and a lot of conversations going on in the political sphere. Despite that, you've launched this decentralized network that while it happened, I believe it was after Tornado Cash, but it could have had Tornado Cash deployed onto it. And if it had Tornado Cash deployed onto it, it would have been hit by sanctions. And your sequencer could have then stopped sequencing its transactions. But if it's a proper layer two, I can force you to sequence a transaction, which would have been sanctioned. So I was talking with them, like, how do they feel about that dichotomy? Are there plans to move in the long term to a decentralized identity solution? And I actually got a really uh, positive response for them. Hmm. That, yes, they do want to decentralize it and keep it an open network, not involved in the decentralized identity space, unless that's an app on top, not a barrier to entry. Um I also talked to the people at Circle who do the USD stablecoin, and they have their own cross-chain protocol to move USDC. So if you have USDC on Ethereum and you want to have it on Arbitrum, you can move it to Arbitrum, but without using a third-party protocol, using Circle themselves. And I'm like, so what happens when someone tries to, you know, move criminal USDC through? Like, or USDC that chain analysis doesn't like? Are you looking to flag that, delay it, reach out to the account for identity documents. And I actually got a really strong response. You know, their cross-chain transfer protocol, CCTP, um, 
is designed to be completely permissionless and just work. If you can send USDC into it, you can transfer USDC and that's that. Well, USDC does have a uh, block list and they do use this for criminal cases and for sanctions and so on. They aren't planning to have KYC uh, for transfers of unblocked addresses. If you have an unblocked address able to use USDC, you're supposed to be able to use this cross-chain protocol. And I really actually appreciate that a lot of these organizations, at least now with regards to their intent ethos and how it's currently programmed, are taking such a stance. And while that may change in the future, none of them are saying, or at least I've yet to hear any of them say, we're considering adding that for stronger user safety and customer protections. I've not heard a single one say that, but most of them do seem to be, even if they themselves are centralized, working on the decentralized ethos, which I appreciate. Wow. Very cool, man. Very cool. Seth, you want to you jump in here? What's, what's sure. been your experience? Yeah, no, I mean, so last year, ETH Denver's kind of similar thing where I put together a panel with uh, just some other privacy advocates from this ecosystem, oh. right? And a couple of others. Wait, did that include Josh Weihart? Yes. I heard about that. Okay, it was it was a lot of fun and I wanted I wanted to record more. We had a failure in the podcast area last year. No <laughs> so it, yeah, it, it, it stopped recording. One of my guests that I didn't know until after I got home, it was, it was tragic, honestly. Uh, but, but no, trying to figure out you know, how we're adding privacy measures to you know, the Cosmos Hub ecosystem. There's a lot of people in the, in the so-called IBC, right? That primitive of having atomic swaps in, uh, in, in that smart contract ecosystem. They call it an L0 or whatever, um, but, but there aren't strong privacy guarantees, right? There aren't, there aren't really strong anonymity sets across any of their, uh, their app-specific chains or anything. Well, Secret Network, they, they fancy themselves sort of the, the leaders in that space. So, so I've been reaching out to them, uh, interviewing their past leadership, their current leadership, Lisa Loud, and then a few others, and, and asking some of these similar questions like, okay, decentralization, if you're genuinely pursuing decentralization as part of your approach to privacy, then, then you must be figuring out how to use pro cross-chain protocols so that you have shared security across other networks that will reinforce whatever privacy or at least call it confidential computing in their, their, their ecosystem whatever it is you're putting in place to help protect either user data privacy or just uh, just make your uh, your your on-chain whatever uh, all of your transfers and remittances make sure everything has greater anonymity somehow um, what are you doing to make sure that's that's improved and this was a central question to EVM based uh, chains and EVM based solutions right for privacy as well as this this other ecosystem that's it's kind of you know found a little bit of a home here at ETH Denver, and uh, and what I'm hearing is there's this year as well. There's kind of ideologically people want more privacy. They want to see that more is being implemented. The average retail participant is not sophisticated enough to be able to judge these different technologies well, and in some cases they've almost into crypto in one ecosystem or another, and then discovered too late that they want to add privacy somehow to their holdings. And so they're, what they're looking for is, is, uh, is forward privacy, right? After that, mm. after they've already gotten invested. They're trying to figure out how do I add this? And that's been my question too. And I, I love that, that what you're hearing is that there's, there's a, a greater commitment to the, the, the idea of privacy. But, Decentralization on my end. Sure. Yeah. And, that's, and I think that's key to it is that mm -hmm. if it's not permissionless, then uh, as you said before, and you can't force a transaction, yep. it's not uh, censorship resistant, then, then um, we're not. Then, then what are we even saying trying to reinforce privacy if 
the record itself is selectively recorded. Mind if I hop in with a more technical view on the privacy solutions here? By all means, please. I, I, I work the social layer here to hopefully try to cross-pollinate different ecosystems, but yeah. So uh, one of the events I attended was hosted by a group called Phoenix, F-H-E-N-I-X, uh, Encryption Day. And it was really great to go to. Uh, and it covered fully homorphic encryption. Fully homorphic encryption is where... Doug, you can encrypt a value, you know, you can encrypt some number, and then I can encrypt a number on my end, and we can run any program we want on those two numbers. We can add them, we can multiply them, we can do comparisons of them, we can divide them, it doesn't matter. No matter what we want to do, fully homorphic encryption enables it. So when we look at smart contracts, arbitrary programs on chain, you effectively need fully homorphic encryption to realize that. And fully homorphic encryption has had, in my opinion, a notable amount of projects here representing it. How many projects is that? I have counted two. But the reason that's so notable is because fully homorphic encryption is such a tall order. I, I mean, I started researching the history of it a few weeks ago, completely unrelated to FDemper. I was curious about it for other reasons, uh, which I'll try to avoid getting into. Uh, I'm just don't, very excited. Don't avoid if it has anything to do with Monero, for sure. Don't avoid. No, I would just talk about it for an hour. And then it's, <laughs> you know, Luke's opinions on why FHE is cool and not <laughs> what's going on here. I mean, FHE is cool, though. I, I, yeah. I agree. And at, least, mm -hmm. at least conceptually, I could probably listen to it for an hour. Right. So it's about, it, it would effectively allow anyone to take a smart contract and just completely encrypt it. Like, what you can do is you can have... Uh, a decentralized loan platform where someone can deposit Monero or whatever is the token on the chain and they can borrow USDCE or some other stable yeah. coin against it. Just, just to interrupt for a second, isn't this what DarkFi is essentially working on or that's just a different implementation of various different discussions company? there. Uh, okay. Let's go with no and move on for time's sake. Okay, 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 okay. Um, but the issue is if now someone knows I have a loan for Monero for whatever other coin, they can spike the price of it to force a liquidation on me. So the reason FHE is so notable in this case is that the loan can be kept completely private until it's unhealthy. It can be kept completely private and every hour someone can run a bot and that bot can say, calculate if it's unhealthy. And then the validators who are trusted with running the encryption scheme, they just decrypt not the loan itself, but if it's unhealthy. And if it's unhealthy, then they publicize the loan so anyone can liquidate it. So basically, the entire lending platform is allowed its full operation, but you don't have to worry if you have a large financial position of that knowledge being public and used to attack you. So FHE is just really great primitive. It is also extremely slow and almost unusable, which is why I'm so happy to see two projects doing it because I would have expected everyone talking about it as a pipe dream. There are actually two projects here actually discussing it. Unfortunately, I have not seen anyone doing ZK snarks. I have seen, like, I have legitimately not seen any private transfer technology. I have only seen snarks. The distinction being, and yes, a lot of snarks are internally ZK snarks, and 
ZK snarks are a subset of snarks. You can use a ZK snark as a snark. The difference being is a lot of people want to use a snark to say, here's my entire Ethereum blockchain. This snark proves it's correct. You now don't have to execute it because here's a ZK proof that my 100 gigabytes of data is correct. My ZK proof is just a few hundred bytes. It's very efficient. It's very small. It removes having to verify the entire chain. So I see a lot of projects here interested in that. But almost no one is interested in the zero knowledge point of it. And I'm just surprised to see that. I haven't seen uh, for the IBC ecosystem, I believe it's Namada that's doing shielded pools. I haven't seen a booth here for them. Yeah. Uh, I know Polygon, I believe they have a private transfer layer. Uh, and technically Polygon is here, but their focus isn't on their private transfers. Their focus is on their ZK EVM, which is really, here's a public EVM that we use a ZK proof to efficiently prove on Ethereum, so on and so on. So I don't believe I've actually seen any projects doing privacy except for the two FAT booths, which is honestly a very experimental technology. Not to discredit it, to note, I don't actually think there is a lot of notable privacy here. I think there's a lot of people doing revolutionary technology for what I expected. But even that group is just two people. The one exception is there is a secret booth. So that would bring us up to three projects doing right. private computation or private transfers or private use of data. Um, the issue with secret is to my understanding, their tokens have been completely de-anonymized and you can fully view the sender and receiver graph. And while I believe amounts are bounded with how much you can review, um, their testnet was fully decrypted in a demonstration of a, a side channel attack several months ago because they don't actually use cryptography to achieve their privacy. They just use a special section of the CPU. So between the numerous times that special section has had its data leaked and between the fact that the database is in private. And the implication of that is if I send tokens, it removes five from my account. My account has a spot in the database. So now the next time I send coins, it's going to affect the same spot in the database. So you know, whenever this spot in the database is touched, that means Luke is sending coins. So between that, I'm not ready to call it a private blockchain. Right. And for, for my part, having, you know, built some inroads into this community, I've, I've seen that narrative shift, right? from it being something that's, that is remotely privacy oriented, then now calling it confidential computing. So it's meant to be part of, of a stack, really, is how they're billing it. But how so then, confidential is it if the data keeps getting leaked? No, and, how, and, how, and then how confidential could it ever be if you're, if you're relying entirely on hardware security modules, right? So you have problems there, and to, to keep the receipts on this, specifically the Intel SGX right, uh, hack, right, and problem. So yeah, tying any of your, your confidentiality or your privacy to a hardware security module, it's not if, but when. It's a cat and mouse game. It's so, not going to be secure forever. So why forever. are they shifting the narrative from private to confidential if it's not? <laughs> <laughs> because you can, you can change a narrative much faster than you can change code. That's, but, it's, that's, but it's also not confidential. <laughs> <laughs> to give them a little credit, I spoke with one of the team members and they were interested in rebuilding a new Monero bridge to secret network. And, and this cross-pollination oh, wow, is, wow. is where I think is where I think the broader ecosystem wins because, I mean, they they've already seen the proof of concept, right? With being able to see active pools, liquidity pools across Bitcoin and Monero, and seeing, all right, people are willing to put their money through this system. And I, again, like this is this is where you have like, it's a kind of it's a kind of 
whatever development retardation that VCs use, right? Where it's like, oh, I got to see if somebody put money into this ecosystem first or it's not real. And so I, I think now we're at this point where, yeah, IBC, some EVM-based projects, some that, that, that have been running ZK Snark relayers um, that, that weren't mentioned earlier. They just don't have a huge presence here. They're giving, giving out swag. Some of these other projects, are, I think, are seeing like, okay, there, there might be a way that, that we can allow for the conditional privacy of our ecosystem to be the sort of rogue, dangerous freedom of Monero. I think they're coming around. I think they actually are. I think it took a long time, but I think they're actually coming around. I mentioned, I mentioned uh, oh, I'm getting that echo again. Hold on, hold on. Oh, sorry, I was gonna oh. say something. I think that was it. Okay. I mentioned uh, ETH to Monero atomic swaps. Uh, bring it up again. Is, th is that being discussed at all? I mean, that exists as a technology. Um, I think Elizabeth, I saw that Elizabeth the Ethereum, you know, uh, yeah. I saw code, something. coded that up. Is, is Are we seeing adoption? Are we seeing people showing any interest in that? She might be here. I'll double check, but I have memory of seeing an ETH XMR atomic swap project but of some sort. She, do you mean Elizabeth? Yeah, Elizabeth. Um, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm 99% sure Elizabeth is not here. She told me her name was Alice. What does that mean? She asked me if my name was Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, why isn't that being discussed more? If that tech already exists, um, why, why aren't we seeing discussions about that? At Have you guys looked into it at all? Because <laughs> mindset, they, they want it. it needs to be sexy. You have to sell them the sizzle. You have mm. to tell them that like, this is going to be amazing, and you're going to 10x your investment in this unrealistic time frame. Um, Unfortunately, I think in some cases, when it comes to development, anyway, there okay. there are a few models, and yeah, cash flow is king in the long run for any business or or any protocol. You want to see a lot of volume, of course, and have it prove itself that way. But at a show like this, where so many venture capitalists have funded, frankly, the majority of what we see here, they want to see the business use case first. And unfortunately, for some of them. Privacy as a narrative is anathema. They can't touch it. It's just it just goes against what they find investable. But that's not always true, right? Secret clearly is not dead yet, and they're they're still able to keep investor confidence and interest in their ecosystem. But it's not true privacy either. So, largely agree. Especially that's why I wanted to say the only two actual privacy projects I've seen here are based on experimental technology because experimental technology is sexy to VCs. So that's one of the notes I was trying to make. I wasn't trying to say they're rushing it or irresponsible. I'm trying to say if the only privacy we see is the one that's brand new and sexy, the comments on do they actually, to be clear, I'm, I believe those teams like privacy, but does the ecosystem like privacy or do they just like new things? So um, what's, what's your opinion on implementing that, like FHE into Monero? Can I answer that in a moment? Oh, yeah. So immediately, I just wanted to note specifically for Ethereum, Monero, Atomic Swaps, there aren't users here. There are companies. There are, sure, there are plenty of venture capitalists walking around, but that doesn't change the people here are developers for companies, they're business development at companies, or they're people who are, have enough capital that they could form a company and invest in other companies. That is the audience here. So while users may be interested in Ethereum, Monero, Atomic Swaps, if I go up to these people, it is not their company. So they don't care. Um, and then for users, I personally think atomic swaps have, unfortunately, as much as I hate to say it, I've come around to the belief they have a sufficiently subpar UX that other solutions are needed, hence my own work on Soraya Decentralized mm -hmm. Exchange. 
um, to answer your question about Monero and fully homomorphic encryption, um, why do you hate me and want me to answer this question? I was having a nice day. As, give me, give me a quick second to interrupt you. They're asking me to put this this thing back on. Oh, didn't like how I defaced their podcast studio. <laughs> defaced it in reverse. It's okay. Sorry, no, oh. stomp on the audio track. All jokes aside, um, so fully homomorphic encryption, I don't believe has the performance to be implemented into Monero, even if it linearly scaled. If you don't have linear scaling, the system collapses after a certain point. You know, if you try to get a million people and it takes, has a X, uh, quadratic scaling, which means that it's N, N is your number to the power of two, that would be a million times a million, which would be ridiculous. But technically, if you have a linear system where it's just N, yeah, you can have 100,000 people or you can have a million people. It's only 10 times more expensive. So you want linear when you're discussing these large systems. Even if fully homomorphic uh, encryption schemes had linear scaling and the linear operation was fast enough, it wasn't an issue. Because even the basic operations in UCR are still notably expensive. That doesn't change the fact that it's encryption. The ability to encrypt is only, it means that there's the ability to decrypt. There's the ability to decrypt. There's a party that can decrypt. When we're discussing shared state, you have in a, let's say you're on Ethereum, there's a decentralized exchange and you have a list of orders on the exchange. That is shared state. Anyone can place an order, anyone can take an order. Shared state is implemented by the validators of the network having the encryption key. You encrypt your order to them, they do all of the mathematical operations, and when the time comes, the validators decrypt it, or if they're malicious, they decrypt it in advance. Accordingly, I am fundamentally against using any such encryption technology in Monero because there should not be the ability for anyone to decrypt, and we should not have oh, these are the 100 validators the system is using. I don't believe that's in the ethos of Monero, and we shouldn't have that. Now, I've had several debates over this recently, and I wish I could say I've had none. But regardless, uh, a few members of the Darrow community have come into my Discord, brought it up, and made claims about their project, which I have found either incorrect or using very custom definitions, which are not standard in the academic society, nor in the ecosystem that we live in. Regardless, without any disparaging of Darrow's technology, without any judgment on it as a protocol, they do use partially homomorphic encryption. Fully homomorphic, encrypt homomorphic encryption means you can do anything. Partially homomorphic encryption means you can do a limited amount of things. In the case of Darrow, they use it to implement an account system where you can send and receive coins. With Darrow, they don't have a shared state. They don't have everyone managing encrypted orders on a decentralized exchange. Accordingly, while there are such amounts, they only involves a single user account and the user holds the encryption key. So they avoid the whole validators and so on. I don't believe Monero needs to adopt partially homomorphic encryption where the users have all of the keys because I don't think that's practically 
better than what Monero does today. Monero today doesn't use partially homomorphic encryption, yet still has private value transfer. The one concern is the ring signatures, but homomorphic encryption of any form doesn't solve the ring signature problem, as ZK Snark would. Moving to homomorphic encryption would enable an account system, but that would have various discussions on the privacy and security, which I don't think is a discussion worthwhile because the results, in my opinion, are disappointing. If we were to adopt a fully homomorphic encryption system, it would be to support smart contracts or similar. But again, as I said, it would require we designate validators who would be trusted to maintain the privacy of the system. And I don't believe Monero should move in that direction. And I, can I ask really fast, what do you think of Tari as a can, as a, uh, as a, a, a sort of a de facto test net to, uh, to test out some of these potential directions for smart contract, enabling smart contracts in a, uh, in a similar paradigm? Uh, I don't think Tari, if you want to closely enough, is it for you to, if you want to consider it as a test net, uh, or even as just a place to look, I don't think it's notable. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Tari isn't notable. I'm not saying they don't have good technology. I'm saying you're just no, a wow narrow maxi Luke. Say it. You're just a wow narrow maxi. There's no reason to look at Tari specifically and Tari alone when you can look at the entire ecosystem and what everyone does. If you want to see how projects play out, we shouldn't only look at projects with a relation to Monero. We should look at all projects in the ecosystem to see practically what occurs. Um, I do believe Tari will be another data point. Uh, from my understanding, they're not doing private smart contracts. And th am I wrong? Are not the smart contracts public? It's that they yeah. use Mimblewimble for value privacy? Wow. No, I think, no, I think yeah, Mimblewimble is, it, yeah, is the, the primary mechanism. Right. But, yeah, so that it, it offers amount privacy in some uh, debates on scaling and like client offerings. But I don't believe they're doing private smart contracts. I believe they're doing public smart contracts. Oh, I, man, I just rug pulled myself by bringing them up. Mm. Goddamn. I, I, I could yeah, be wrong. Yeah. I have to double check their protocol. <laughs> it might have some limited amount of privacy, but from my understanding, <laughs> their private smart contracts have public code and public execution. I've not heard anything about execution being private or the code executed being private. So they could have it, and I'm just truly unaware, but I haven't heard that. So because of the difficulty of it, I assume they don't have it. Yeah, without disparaging, I hope they move that direction. Be cool. Yeah. How about every smart contract? How about DarkFi? Can I can I ask about DarkFi? Where where does that fit in in comparison um, to these other concepts? Okay, so DarkFi, to my understanding, is using zk snarks, but is I don't remember if they initially were going to. I don't think they were ever going to. I think they're now exploring it, but I don't think we'll be there at launch. But to be honest, I'm not entirely up to date. To my understanding, they are not introducing MPC as necessary for shared state, but they're solely doing ZK snarks. And I could be wrong about that. Truly, I could be wrong about that. But my understanding is at this time, the product they're looking at deploying at least initially, product, project, network, whatever you want to call it, is solely premised on ZK snarks. So that means that anyone will be able to create a program and anyone will be able to privately prove the program executed correctly without revealing what the inputs were and not necessarily revealing some of the outputs. So that enables a variety of different structures. It's a much more flexible system than the traditional value transfer. And 
even without shared state, there is a lot you can do. Uh, like technically, you can do a decentralized exchange without shared state. It's just a lot kludgier, a sure. lot more annoying, has a higher transaction failure rate. So I'm not entirely sure, but I believe they're just doing ZK snarks, which doesn't inherently have nice, pleasant support for shared state, which is frequent in smart contracts. Awesome. awesome. So, since we're on this topic of talking about all these different uh, privacy coin projects, what Seth and 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 Luke and I guess uh, Sir James, you could give me your opinion as well. What which projects are you most interested? In? Obviously, other than Monero, um, what are some other like your your top top project that interests you other than Monero with regards to privacy tech in crypto? Wow, so so we're we're going we're breaking outside of just ETH Denver and the people who paid to show up here and 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 promote privacy, right? Just just top top picks in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like we've gone off off the ranch a little bit with regards to talking about privacy tech. Um, sure. Yeah. So yeah, let's. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not very. I'm not very coy about this. I I like to give props to the team over at Railgun. The Railway Wallet is. Uh, it was a necessary component to the ecosystem when the Tornado Cash out of commission. Um, there were a couple of projects. I won't, I won't mention the networks that they're on, but there were a couple of projects that have forked Tornado Cash smart contracts and redeployed them is a very very gutsy move because it's like dude you're mm. you're playing with fire right like yeah um that those smart contracts are on a list it's not gonna be hard for them to get like an additional writ to put yours on a list i think so i i, I wouldn't do that but there are, are some projects that have because they wanted so desperately to restore what was lost with uh with tornado cash being sanctioned um so so that's something that's kind of on radar and then of course this this samurai uh Samurai Wallet and Whirlpool Devs have been doing great work, I think, for the uh, for the Bitcoin maximalist community. And as you know, they've they've shown incredible friendliness towards the Monero Research Labs and broader Monero community because they get it. They uh, they actually want privacy to be the, the like the, the primary goal, not maximalism. So so I love I love shouting them out and giving them praise because they just I think they're doing it right personally. Awesome. Good yeah, I can double up on Samurai Wallet too because. I run that software, Ronin Dojo node. I love this stack. The, the UI, you know, everything about it is so easy to use. It brings, you know, if we can take some notes for Monero Nodo, but it's just been, yeah. And besides that, also, I always end up mentioning graphene whenever I'm talking to people about privacy. I just think if we can individually start to restrict the amount of profitable data that we're leaking to these, these governments and big tech, you know, companies, we can... Maybe pull back some of the power. That's going to be really useful. So I always give, when I'm talking to people about Monero, like slide them through graphene a little bit and tell them why. I'm kind of curious. This might this might be the only de-googled panel that also doesn't have an iPhone. Maybe potentially. Uh, I think I got graphene here. I know you were running graphene. Just, oh wow! All right, there you go. This this might be a first for an ETH Denver. I don't know. Maybe Look at not. That. Look at that. That is the private panel. Luca, Luca, how about you? Uh, projects that most interest you in in crypto that regard, you know, with regards to privacy. Real quick, privacy I tech, wanna, crypto projects. Know, stop by apologizing to Tari and or um, Darkfi if I have in fact misrepresented your privacy technology. Absolutely didn't mean to. Just to my understanding, that was it. I could be wrong. Feel free to shout at me if I'm wrong. We're all learning more. Um, but with regards to privacy technology. Uh, this one person around keeps going talking around, uh, like keeps going around to talking about this thing called Sarai, 
I don't know if any of you have heard of it, but one guy keeps going around. No one fucking knows about it. And they're just like, hey, guys, you heard about this thing? I'm working. I don't know. They're a bit annoying, I think. I actually heard about that. I'm trying to get that guy to come to a meetup on oh. Sunday. Yeah. Well, if they have the time, they give us a demo. So this, um, it sounds like we're it sounds like we're trying to get this person to show up by by providing a zero knowledge proof and not ever discussing what okay. Um, so if, you, if you wanted an illustration of what a zk proof is socially, that's what it is. Beyond that, <laughs> to be completely honest, um, the work that's being done with Phoenix, I have very mixed opinions on because it is it's just it, it's not a private transfer layer. Phoenix is, we have the Ethereum virtual machine, which is just the Ethereum network, and some of our contracts introduce some amount of privacy. So it's not Monero, it's not Zcash, it's not Darrow, it's not WowNero, it's not, it's not anything like that. But in practice, with how widespread the EVM has come. I'm not saying there aren't alternative execution environments. I'm looking at Abu for Solana, which is a very major project, which has demonstrated, you know, their VM, it's around. And they went down to $9 and they ran it back the entire way. They've shown that they're more than just FTX. So I'm not here to say that the EVM is the only environment that matters, but the EVM is the de facto environment in programming blockchains at this point. And with that is a variety of tooling, a variety of ecosystem support, and a variety of exchange integrations. So I'm forced to acknowledge that Phoenix, because it's the EVM, if it has any layer of privacy natively integrated, even if it's partial, even if it's only used in some smart contracts, it will probably be most, if it succeeds, most of the people here will probably first experience privacy on a blockchain network thanks to it. Not because they'll have fully private amounts, but because, yes, some of their developers will have private orders, private loans. They're going to build tokens, which might be private by default, et cetera, et cetera. And that is going to be because of them. So even if I wish we could all be from this ground zero private, every single transfer, every single instruction, even if I wish we could have that environment, Phoenix may be the best bet at making privacy mainstream, even if it is unfortunately limited to only part of the network. Do you love coffee and Monero as much as we do? Consider making gratuitous.org your daily cup. Pay with Monero for premium fresh beans and if you like what you taste, send a digital cash tip directly to the Guatemalan farmers that made it possible. Proceeds help us grow this channel, Gratuitous, and Monero. How about you, Doug? What are you interested in? Obviously, obviously Monero. <laughs> no um, way. Zano has piqued my interest recently. Uh, I've been, I've been, you know, keeping an eye on them. I've got a story for you on, on that one, Doug. In a minute, when we're back to Zano. Yeah, go ahead. What's your story? Go ahead. What's your story? Oh, so you're not going to believe this. Roger Veer made a comment on one of my old videos, and in his comment, and I, I just, I, I followed the breadcrumbs to be sure it was actually his account because, because I interviewed him years ago, and he left a comment saying you should cover Zano more, man. Yeah, they're. Like, they're okay, involved with it to some degree. Yeah, no, Ro- Roger Bear. I know. Yeah, he's a he's he's a part of that. Yeah, I right. I was uh, communicating with him when we did uh, Monerotopia last year. 
Sure. No, and I, I understand that he's very interested in Tari now, also, and some so the rest of. Oh, he's, okay. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. He's into Tari as well. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh yes. Well, I don't. I don't yeah. like go go like whatever tattle on his on, on what his bags or you know, like, well, yeah. I think they've actually done like a podcast episode or some you know like thirty minute chat voice call that was published on YouTube with the Xano people. So nice. Yeah. It's pretty public. Yeah, that's no, amazing. And so, and and Andre, so I, I I was the first person to publicly interview him on video. It was years ago. But I mean, Doug knows. It's, it's yeah, it's an amazing, yes. like amazingly small world as far as dev talent from that early phase, right? Like, and a lot of a lot of maybe questions will never get answered there from back in the Bitcoin days. And so I'm just gonna stop asking. Like, less relevant. What we have existing today in the Monero, what's in production right now for Monero makes any of that other pain probably worth it. So. Stop asking. So just kind of taking a step back to what we were talking about, kind of talking about earlier, uh, smart contracts and then like things we may see in Monero in the future. Luke, do you ever think we see some kind of form of, uh, you know, smart smart contracts on Monero in, in some way? And what would that look like? Hey, Doug, do you have a GitHub account? We have smart contracts, but give 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 us give us your explanation. Do you have a GitHub account? I do, I do. I don't use it, but I do. (laughs) Okay, great. You have a GitHub account. Proud of you. So I know you're not a developer, uh, and you also don't need a GitHub account to view issues on GitHub. So like, it's kind of a completely irrelevant question. But Doug, you passed. You did great. I'm proud of you. Okay. But if you actually go on the Monero project GitHub, not the Monero GitHub, the Monero repository is under the Monero project on GitHub. If you go on the Monero project GitHub, you can view the research lab. The research lab is this repository with research. Uh, Most of the research or exploratory topics is under the issues. If you click on that issue, I created an issue to add programmability to Monero. And the initial idea was bad. But if you scroll down to the bottom, I linked a full protocol specification that add private execution to Monero. And I can brag about it and go over it a bit if you want. But like, if you want to talk about how to bring smart contracts to Monero, I have written a specification on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Um, talk about yeah. Talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Go over it with me right now. Um, I'm just kidding. I don't support it. Like I wrote the entire specification. I don't support it. It's it's not it's not good. It's not it's complicated. Um, so basically, the main concern with adding programmability is that the pro that the execution of the programs want to be private. Monero right now could be forked to include the Ethereum virtual machine, and if it includes the Ethereum virtual machine, all the development of Ethereum could migrate. And you can say that's great for adoption, but that doesn't change that Ethereum isn't private and we'd just be introducing all of that lack of privacy into Monero. For programmability to be added to Monero, it has to fundamentally be private. So when I initially opened the issue, I proposed uh, effectively a dark fly situation. Anyone could publish a arithmetic circuit. An arithmetic circuit is a series of mathematical operations and requirements uh, that you can then prove inside a ZK snark or any similar type of proof. Um, and that's what I created the issue for. I just said, let people specify arbitrary mathematical rules that can do anything. It can verify a signature. It can evaluate binary gates and validate that you booted up Linux. Yeah, I don't know or care. It's anything. 
Um, but the issue with it is that it, let's say someone introduced a hash time-locked contract, which is the building block for atomic swaps in a lot of cases. If someone wrote a program for a hash time-locked contract, it wouldn't declare itself, hi, I'm an atomic swap, but it would be a series of mathematical numbers. And if you looked into it, you would see exactly what those mathematical numbers are. And if you knew, oh, hey, these are the exact same mathematical numbers as this public atomic swap program, you would immediately be able to tell that that program is an atomic swap and so on and so on. So it would notably reduce privacy to just allow publishing arbitrary mathematical programs and call it a day. So the next evolution of the proposal, which is the specification I posted, it achieves privacy of the program. No one can see what program is being executed. Uh, and there's minimal differentiation depending on the program. The only thing that's revealed is the amount of inputs and outputs. So it could be an entire zero knowledge EVM. You know, it could be proving, hey, this is a layer two. This is an entire Ethereum blockchain that's doing whatever. And then just like people are trying to put the EVM on Bitcoin right now for, with the security of Bitcoin, it would have the security of Monero. Or it could literally just be a transfer. You cannot tell the difference. It achieves privacy of execution. So you don't know the program being executed and you don't know what the execution is doing. You don't know the inputs. You don't know the outputs. You don't know what pieces the program are running. Um, yeah, that's really it. It's privacy of the program and privacy of the execution, which to my understanding would actually be stronger privacy than DarkFi. To my understanding, DarkFi does reveal the program being executed. They just don't reveal how it's executed, but they do reveal the program which was executed. This would not even reveal the program being executed. Oh, wow. um, so this could be done. Theoretically, theoretically, it could be done today, completely trustless. Wow. The bad news is, is that it would probably be one to 10,000 times more expensive to do any single transfer. Like computationally, it would take, if we can do, if we can do, you know, 10,000 transactions a day, now we can do one. We can do one transaction a day. Because in order to do it in a trustless fashion, to get very mathematical here, very mathematical, if you have a program that's this big, if it's a program this big, and you have a ZK snark, a ZK snark means that the proof for it is smaller than the program. So if you have a program this big, then the proof is going to be this big. So the premise is we have a program this big, and it itself verifies a larger ZK snark. So this is the program, and it verifies the proof of a program even bigger. So we have to find this minimum threshold. We need to find this minimum threshold, which is a snark that can verify a bigger snark. Because once you can verify any bigger program, well, that bigger program can verify a bigger program, and that bigger program can do a bigger one. So you do get an infinite program space. But you just shrink it down, and you shrink it down more, and you shrink it down more to this minimum bound. This minimum bound that lets you run a slightly bigger program that can do slightly bigger, so on and so on. The issue is every single transaction has to be this minimum bound. And this minimum bound will be tens of thousands of lines of mathematical code at best. The membership proof that I am trying to bring to Monero to replace ring, ring signatures and offer full sender privacy, it is going to be a few hundred lines of this mathematical code. But what we're discussing here would be tens of thousands of lines. So it legitimately would be 100 to 1,000 times more expensive to run. And this would be for every single transaction, 
every single transaction will become a thousand times more expensive. So it's also kludgy. Like, yes, you get for full programmability, but you don't have shared state because it's not proposing using fully homomorphic encryption. So you don't get shared state. So you do get programmability, but there's limitations on it in practice. And it kind of just shifts a lot of the burden to layer two. So now we have to get entire teams building layer twos, which is its own mess. And it would be a lot of time to develop, audit, properly integrate. So now we're talking, you know, two to three years of development if we actually want to be secure about it and fully confident in its security. And we're already trying to do Seraphis. So like we don't want to do Seraphis and then immediately throw all of that out for this new protocol. So it's not that we can't do it. It's not that we couldn't have the privacy Monero strives to offer. It's not that it can't be done in a trustless fashion. It's that the end result, while private, is kludgy. It's mm. hard to use. It's annoying. It requires a lot of developer knowledge, a lot of developer time. It would make every transaction thousands of times more expensive, probably. So, so to wow. your point, I mean, in, in all fairness, it seems like most smart contracting systems and ecosystems are quite kludgy. I mean, the uh, a lot of these standards that are coming out in EVM are, I mean, yeah. I mean, ERC four hundred four is the is the big narrative at the show this year. For example, it's not even. They haven't even passed it as a, as, a, as a finalized standard yet. It's still technically well, experimental. No, they announced it with the standard label, despite the fact it was not actually even acknowledged as a potential standard. Exactly. They're just like, hey, there's a standards process. We don't care. We're going to give ourselves the name. It's yeah, but, And this is the norm. This is the norm because, I mean, because of the new functions that are being but requested is, by, uh, by retail no, in no, smart contract they're not, trying, they're not trying to add it to the virtual machine themselves, though. They're solely offering an application standard that you build on top of the virtual machine. Right. And it's because the virtual machine is so expressive that applications can do whatever they want. They can define tokens, they can define token standards. The issue with this is the VM proposed, yes, it can run arbitrary programs. It doesn't have shared state. So the moment two people reach for the same piece of data, it is going to error the hell out. <laughs> it just cannot handle multiple people reaching for the same piece of data at the same time. So. Like you're saying the EVM has all of this application discourse. And what I'm saying is this VM fundamentally wouldn't enable large classes of applications despite being programmable. The best you get is full programmability but with extremely high contention, which means your transaction only goes through if no one else is trying to make a similar transaction. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there are teams that have worked on the contention issue and designed programs to minimize contention. I don't want to disregard that work or say it's completely impossible. I'm just saying like the discussion for this fully private VM within Monero's ethos, it's not that it's impossible. It's just very expensive, a lot of work. It's even if we trust in the security, there would still be new assumptions made, which could be questioned, argued, debated. Um, and it just, it makes Monero worse as a currency, in my opinion. Sure. No, that makes sense. I mean, as a currency, that it does make sense. Mm -hmm. There's so many, uh, so many crypto networks that that were never conceived of as anything more than a currency. And it sounds mm -hmm. like I don't mean to be like trite or glib or whatever. It does a damn good job of being a currency, mm -hmm. right? But uh, but yeah, as far as having it do anything outside of that scope, smart contracting, it seems like yeah, even in that area, you're you're saying you're talking about having applications address a certain amount of space and having that be part of the clue that you were describing before. Legitimately, it's like if you want to make a send, you might be waiting a couple of minutes for your phone to do all of the zero knowledge proofs. Yeah, well, that was the biggest. I mean, frankly, this this is this has been a you know cascading pile of shit. Mm -hmm. Sorry, the expression, but with, with a lot of the, a lot of the um, Zcash forks, right? That 
especially post sapling. They talked about about speeding up the proof times and everything, but there were no usable mobile clients that allowed for shielded transactions on either Zcash or any derivative networks, any forked networks, because of how computationally expensive it was to try to initiate that from just, you know, uh, consumer phones. It was really, really difficult. So, I mean, I, I, I totally I see what you're saying right now, but that the problem that that's, rather the, the trend that that's created in EVM privacy solutions is that now we have these relayer networks. Like we're generating proofs in, in, in a more trusted way, which is also not great. Well, from my understanding, relayer networks are about the gas fee, not about the proving. Am I, have relayer networks shifted? No, no. So maybe, maybe I've misspoke. So I hope, hopefully you can help me set me straight here. So, and that, that's my understanding is that there's shared infrastructure and that the relayer networks are absolutely essential in order to get these CK solutions. Right. Yeah, but the reason running. they're essential is because if you have coins in a contract on Ethereum, uh, you need to pay Ethereum to execute the contract, verify the zero knowledge proof, and transfer the Ether, transfer the USD stablecoin, so on and so on. With Ethereum, you can't post pay the fee. You can't say, oh, this, this proof verifies this contract and will send one Ether to pay for the transaction. Nope. Ethereum requires the fee be paid up front. Right. So the relayer doesn't handle any zero knowledge proofs and doesn't strip away privacy. They front the fee. And then the contract doesn't pay the network for the fee. The contract pays the relayer who paid the fee. Got it. I thought I actually thought that there was a little bit more by way of a decentralization um, of, of the approving of those of those snarks. So that's not how I've known relayer networks, but I could be out of touch with how some projects are dealing it. And, and hey, I, I admit ignorance to this because I'm not I'm not a full time developer. I also have multiple GitHub accounts for. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a GitHub? Yeah, this yeah. was actually one of the really interesting things about this. Uh, ZK contract scheme I was proposing. Technically, it verifies any program to determine if the output can be spent or not. Accordingly, the program it can verify can literally just be, is this a Bitcoin signature? Like literally, is this a Bitcoin signature? Not, is this an ECDSA signature, the signature standard that Bitcoin uses? Nope. Does this output thinks it's being spent in a Bitcoin transaction and it's using the exact Bitcoin transaction serialization? And the reason for that isn't because we want Bitcoin signatures. No, that's stupid. The reason for that would be, cool, now literally every single Bitcoin wallet that can export a signature can technically make a Monero transaction because you just take the signature it exports and you just say, yep, this Monero ZK program just requires a Bitcoin signature, exactly formatted as a Bitcoin transaction. Yep, this signature is valid. Therefore, yep, nope, this is all valid. Let's spend it. Now, whatever exports that Bitcoin signature, yeah, someone else would do the zero-knowledge proof and fully take the privacy responsibility of it. But with regards to how you authorize the value transfer, how you authorize the output to be spent, the coins to be moved, so on and so on, it could literally be a Bitcoin signature. It could be an ECDSA signature, which is used within Bitcoin. It could be used an EDDSA signature because that's much nicer than a standard. It could be you do the proof yourself and you don't use a signature. You're just like, yep, there's a zero knowledge proof. I know a variable. There's no signature. It's literally, I am typing in the number into this proof because you don't need a signature. You have a zero knowledge proof that works as a signature. So because you get full customizability, you actually can tailor it. You can say, oh, this hardware security module only supports P256 because that's what's used by Apple. Apple uses P256. No one in crypto uses P256. But you can say, oh yeah, 
nope, I'm going to say that this output is spendable with the P256 signature. I'm going to have my iPhone generate the P256 signature. And then I'm going to have some company generate the zero knowledge proof so I don't have to bother. Sure, the company will learn all of the info, but now you're transferring Monero using your iPhone. Like this is the great thing if you can have every output be a program. But to my understanding, the current relayer solutions aren't offloading the proofs. They're just handling the gas fees because Ethereum doesn't let you post pay the gas. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and that's just it. I, I, this is why I wanted, I, I love having panels across these different solutions. Um, and I know Doug does too. He, he does great work in terms of bringing that ecumenical approach, right, from other builders. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I'm admitting ignorance here. I thought that there, there was a little more of the infrastructure that was required for, for generating and validating the proofs. So um, as another example, because truly I don't know any projects which do that, so I can't comment on them. Sure, yeah. But as another example, what Zcash does is they do the entire ZK proof, but then they output a public key. This public key is your public key plus some value, which is known. So once they output that public key, you just have to make a standard signature with it. You just make a normal signature. So with Zcash, you can have your hardware wallet make a very simple signature, and then your laptop makes the entire ZK proof. Your laptop makes the entire ZK proof, and it's like, hey, I just need the signature. Hardware wallet signs it. Therefore, your hardware wallet, this very small device with very limited resources, does not have to do the entire zero-knowledge proof. Right. So, yes, um, while no one's done this with Zcash, as far as I know, Zcash signing can be reduced to a simple signature, and you can outsource that proof. In that exact same way, even without full programmability, there could be a zero-knowledge project on Ethereum, which does just take a signature and a zero-knowledge proof. Um, and yeah, they could allow users to just publish the signature and let someone else do the zero-knowledge proof. I just don't know of any that do that, especially because yeah. it completely removes the privacy. Like generally, you want your hardware wallet to do the signature and your laptop to do the proof, not your laptop to do the signature and a company to do the proof. So no, no, exactly. Yeah, it seems like that. That is a. It is a, a problem with the chain of custody, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like a bad trade-off. Yeah, right. uh, and I don't know of anyone doing that. From my understanding, relayers are just used to pay the gas fee up front and get paid on the back end. Luke, let, let me let me ask you, since we have you, can you give us an update on full membership proofs? Oh, uh, yeah, I think Berman either recently posted an update or is about to post an update. Um, they shimmed a lot of the code. I'm not here to say that they fully implemented it at all. They shimmed a lot of the code but they did get full chain membership proofs. They did. Again, it's shimmed. So with the amount of code they shimmed, you can argue they didn't actually do anything. No, um, they did get it within Monero. So wow. like they're, they're, they worked on, you know, taking my Rust code, actually linking it into the Monero code, you know, generating proofs. They were shimmed, but, you know, generating proofs putting those in the transactions, and then also like verifying the transactions with those groups. So I'm not sure if they quite published. They may be finishing up the work there, but they've actually made significant effort on demonstrating what an integration would look like. Um, from there, the next step would be to move to a curve cycle with Seraphis, which is its own very complicated discussion. But it's that and continue working on the membership proof in Co continue shrinking the size and getting it smaller and smaller, faster and faster, and going on from there. What, uh, I, know, I know you probably hate this question, but what, what do you see as being a potential timeline for 
when full membership proofs gets fully activated into Monero? Uh, this is my personal opinion. I have only shared it with a couple other people. I have not talked about it with any, I've not talked about it with Co. I've not talked about it with the Monero community at large. I've not talked with it with uh, our Bruner. So you can completely say this is just Luke being hopeful, but also an idiot. And you're welcome to have that opinion. Um, with the rate things are progressing from my personal perspective, I would not be surprised if there's a significant argument to deploy Seraphis with full chain membership proofs. Beautiful. All right. Hip hip hooray. There you go. World, world star <laughs> right here at East Denver. That's going to get it hyped up. You get the confetti going. Luke, let me ask you this. So we're talking about, you know, the potential for uh, smart contracts on on Monero, right? And just, you know, whether or not that would make sense given the, given the costs involved. Um, once full membership proofs is implemented into Monero, what do you see as the next big evolution that, that needs to happen in Monero? Oh, Nova. Like I can just immediately answer that, Nova. Nova right now, all of our, our range proofs and the membership, if we go with full chain membership proofs, they're going to be premised on bulletproofs and our range proofs aren't going to be bulletproofs right now they're bulletproofs plus and we're reviewing bulletproofs plus plus so just like better versions of bulletproofs uh although internally they are distinct so because they're distinct internally they're they are different proofs um it's not just like oh we figured out how to make the existing proof 10 percent faster nope it's a new proof um so microsoft research uh, in 2019 2021, it's either 2019 or 2021, I always forget. They published Spartan. So bulletproofs, um, it's a very quick recap. They prove, they perform what's called a range proof, which basically just says the amount you're sending is correct. You're not sending negative Monero, you know? Because if I can send you negative one Monero, I can take myself plus one Monero. So they just check that you're not minting Monero by sending people negative Monero so that it all sums to zero. So. If you have a, in computer terms, a 64-bit number, just means it takes 64 bits to take, uh, to represent, bits being a very fundamental piece of computer science, it's either a zero or one. If you have a 64-bit number, bulletproofs takes 64 statements. So it has, you know, for bit zero, bit one, bit two, bit three, so on, for 64 statements. And the verifier actually has to execute all of those 64 statements. It's linear. The amount of statements it has, the amount of stuff the verifier has to do. Microsoft Research in 2019 or 2021, I'd have to double check, introduced Spartan. Spartan is a ZK snark that's completely trustless and does not require a curve cycle. Uh, although I'm trying to get Monero to move to a curve cycle for very legitimate reasons. Um, and it is, they achieved logarithmic performance, I believe. It technically might be square root. But square root means if the if you're proving for 100 statements, you know, like you have 100 bits and you're proving that, yes, this number is only made out of 100 bits, it only takes 10 bits. So the, the verifier only has to check 10 bits worth of work. So the verifier just has to check a fraction of the work. So it's going to be immediately just much, much more performant. So the immediate move is to move to Spartan. With Spartan, we'll just get much faster range proofs and we'll get much faster membership proofs. From there, the goal would be to move to Nova. So if we're currently proving for 16 outputs, we 
would create 16 bulletproofs, 16 range proofs. Technically, we don't do that. We create an aggregate range proof, which is one proof, but with 16 outputs of data. With Nova, you create one output and then you with one proof, and you fold that proof into the next one. So you do 16 proofs, each for 64 bits, but you end up with one proof that's effectively just for 64 bits, despite being for 16 different invocations. The amount of times you run the program doesn't matter. You still get one proof constant to the size of the program. So basically, if we have 16 outputs, it might as well be one output. If we have 16 inputs, it might as well be one input. The amount of inputs and outputs we have doesn't increase the amount of proof data or proof time. Who developed Nova? Uh, that was also Microsoft, and they did premise it on a curve cycle, which is another reason to move to a curve cycle. And then from there, we can talk about like removing proofs from transactions entirely, just having one proof for the entire block. Once we discuss having one proof for the entire block, we can talk about having one proof for the entire blockchain, so on and so on. So it's really just about performance and scaling, in my opinion. Beautiful, man. That was a fantastic overview. There will be a quiz for anybody watching. <laughs> Daddy, I think we're getting kicked out, by the way. Yeah, we oh. just have a few minutes if you want to wrap it up. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I, I hate I hate to stick on Luke, but when he's around, I gotta. I, he's just you know. We get we got to get our money's worth with this guy, S Sarai. What what is what is the the latest update with Sarai? I feel like I've gone on four questions in a row, guys. <laughs> uh, we're doing the testnet on the sixth, March sixth is when the testnet goes live. I'm Fantastic. not promising this will be the only testnet. It definitely is not full featured, but it's still a major step forward and should still demonstrate swaps between Bitcoin and Monero. And it's still a massive step that I'm really happy to be seeing. Is that something you could demo on Sunday? You, you mean, can I demo the live test net before it goes live? Maybe show us a little bit. <laughs> of, is, this is Denver. Anything's possible. Of, of the network, which isn't live? Yes. Time travel. <laughs> I thought you were time traveling to be the original Monero man who made you the Monero Two man. Men. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. Um, test net, which should be great. Also, trying to better explore the economics. I believe there's a very great proposal for that coming up. Uh, and there's been a lot of discussions about integrations recently, and I'm really trying to avoid that until launch, but some of them may deserve to get further expanded on nowadays. So lots of things moving forward though. Awesome. Seth, anything you, you want to get out there? Before we wrap uh, yeah, hold on a second. It's going to require a visual aid, so I'm going to just sort of redo this a little bit. I see your camera angle is not quite right, and this is this is completely random, but it's one of these ETH Denver things. He's going to do handstand push-ups. I mean, I'd like to, but <laughs> Doug, what, what do you said? I wanted to I wanted to show you my Kulo instead. Oh, oh, you're getting flashed. Yep, you're getting flashed by the Kulo. So this is just randomly. The funny thing about this trade shows like this is that this is a this is a place where you're hearing literally the bleeding edge of Monero development. And uh, and the next sort of horizon of possibilities in that ecosystem, right next to a place where a guy is wearing a meme T-shirt of a cartoon ass, and you got people walking around like furries. I love this place. It's the best <laughs> trade show, and I wish you were here, Doug. Honestly, I wish you were here because there's such an incredible vibe where you can you can hear gather on the fireside and hear about what's being developed on that bleeding edge, but then you can also go have 
a lot of fun. I'm so sorry. I've seen mascots. I've not seen furries. Those are two distinct groups of people. They are. (laughs) I have not seen a single fursuit. I have seen mascots. I have seen characters. I have not seen furries. Sir, if you have to clarify, have you seen mascots or furries? Please answer. Okay, so uh, so the full answer is last year, a furry or two. This year, you are correct. No furries, only See, mascots. This is the Blowies. problem with our modern society. We overrepresent furries. Furries obviously did not feel welcome this year. We need to make a space where they can feel allowed. If we can't make it work here, that's what I'm saying. I, I thought it would be here at East Denver. But I thought they would be here yeah. too. Where's the furries, man? It's because there's too many spies. <laughs> So, yep. okay, we're going to wrap need- up, but let's plug our event <laughs> on Sunday because we're having a meetup. It's at the Banshee House in the afternoon. Two it's going to be lit. Yeah, if anybody wants to come. we got our good friends at Cake Wallet that have sponsored some refreshments oh, wow, and wow. cool technological things. We're going to be displaying art from a few Monero artists, and uh, uh, we're going to give a Cake Wallet demo, the bird pay feature. So I don't know when you're going to get this uploaded, but if anybody wants to get some bird pay Monero, then show up. Sunday. This is happening on Sunday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Save the venue again. We'll we'll try to get this up. Yeah. The we'll Banshee mention it House. tomorrow on the show as well. Banshee House. All right. All right, guys. This was this was an amazing surprise. Um, this is awesome. Thank you for taking the time and doing this, all of you. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah. yeah. No, Doug. Appreciate you, man. You are uh, you are you're of the voice of reason. You're the, you're you're shouting it from the rooftops. Definitely appreciate the work you do, man. Thank you, brother. You too. Um, thanks to all, and I'll, I'll let you guys go. I mean, do you want to, uh, if you guys actually can, if you just quickly give out your Twitter or, or places where people can find you, if you just kind of go down the line. Uh, wow. So if you just make noise in the Monero Simple X chat, I'll probably find you. And um, you didn't know that, did you? So we are getting kicked out. So. We are getting kicked out. Yeah. But tw- <laughs> Twitter is your underscore biz. I also run the website mineyour.biz. Yeah, me on Twitter, it's uh, Sir Jams a lot at Magic Mushroom Breakfast. Yeah, find me. Kayaba Nerve on Twitter, but I'm also on Matrix and Discord. Feel free to reach out. Bye, y'all. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Ciao. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Odyssey, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to MoneroTalk.live to subscribe for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show, and we are always happy to read them. So thanks so much, and we look forward to being back next week.